0: Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org.
1: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Clegett and Jason Kong.
2: Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing?
0: You know, I, I am doing okay and I'm just completely overwhelmed and excited about the response we've gotten for the uh, upcoming Caregivers Summit.
2: It's crazy to think that we're already in October and that uh, the summit is just around the corner. Don't forget, you can go to caregiversummit.org to register for free this year for the virtual caregiver summit. Caregiversummit.org is the website to go to. Nicole, we're going to hop right into the show here, and we're going to start out with some tips for downsizing during a pandemic. You know that's uh, Downsizing is a uh, challenging experience enough as it is. And when you throw in the restrictions of COVID-19 and the challenges presented by the the pandemic uh, it can make that even more stressful and challenging. So to do that, we've brought in Susan Stanhope. She's going to be our guest. She is a senior move manager with Move Elders with Ease. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Oh, I'm really happy to be here. So happy to talk to you today, Susan. I know that you and I have had a number of offline conversations about what it's been like for you to run a move management organization during the pandemic when we've had been faced with so many different types of restrictions, especially if somebody is moving into a long term or an independent living community. So, you know, as, as the as the weeks have ticked on to months and gosh, the months are going to be nearly approaching a year by now. I know in the beginning, there were a number of people that were really putting off moves because we were just sort of waiting to see what was going to happen with COVID-19. And now it really looks like COVID-19 is going to be with us for a while. And, And a lot of people are now at the point where they just can't put off that move any longer. What are some of the sort of tips that you could give us uh, when we're looking at trying to make a move during this pandemic to make it a little bit easier?
3: Well, as you said, Nicole, some of the communities are beginning to open up now. and We're starting to get calls again. We are taking every effort, of
0: course, to
3: follow the restrictions with each community and their guidelines. And we also are wearing masks, taking temperatures, being very careful about how we work with people. So when we are working with folks in their homes. We're doing social distancing and wearing masks and everything else. Um, As far as going ahead and getting ready for a move, the more time you allow yourself the better. Uh, One thing that's important is to just make sure that the people who are coming into your home are taking the proper uh, steps to make sure that they are safe while working with you. And another thing to keep in mind is that because people are really not having yard sales these days. When you think about donating things, you have to be really careful that you're giving good stuff to the thrift stores because they are really overwhelmed right now as well and inundated.
0: That's actually a really good point. I, you know, I was driving down the road the other day, and I saw a yard sale, and I was like, "Oh, I that was." It, it was almost like I, it was just the strangest thing to see. <laughs> you know, I just couldn't even agree. Yes. Yeah, some, yeah. Sometimes it's, you know you see that, and you're like, "Wow, okay, that's a blast from the past."
3: <laughs> right. Exactly. So I guess the the main thing uh, for me is is that you want to look at your belongings, and of course you're thinking in, in terms of two things. Do I still love this item, and does it, is it a practical item that will bring me use in the future, either at home, or if I'm staying at home, or in a community, if I'm moving to a community? And if you decide to release it after you've offered it to family and friends, and I'm, I'm finding that still there are family and friends who do want some of the things that people are ready to give up with, But then to take a close look at it and say to yourself, if I were to walk into a thrift store, any thrift store at all, would I really pay money for this? And if it's one of those borderline kind of things, then I would probably either put it on a website called Free Cycle. So it's the word recycle, but it's F-R-E-E in front of it for the word free, Free Cycle. Um, Or you could even put it out on Nextdoor, that particular app, and just offer it free to anyone and see if someone will come and get it instead of putting or taking that to a, a thrift store.
0: Interesting. A good, good perspective on that for sure. So, you know, if, if you wouldn't mind, Susan, would you, would you mind talking to us a little bit about, you know, why a family may want to consider uh, a senior move manager over just trying to really do this themselves or just contacting any moving company when, when thinking of moving sure. an, an older adult loved one?
3: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So as senior move managers, my colleagues and I, and we're there are people like me all around the United States. As well as locally, of course, too. Um, And then, oftentimes, we are working in conjunction with each other because sometimes an adult child will have a family member that lives in a different state or a different location, and that adult, that elder, needs to be closer to the children. So they might move into the triangle area. There are other times when we're helping people who are moving away. Some of the ways in which we uh, make it a little bit easier for the family, there are a number of things. One is because we're trained in this and we're professionals at what we do, we truly do know how to make a move as well as downsizing as efficient as possible. Um, the people who work in this industry tend to be very organized in our thought process. We think of it sort of like a, doing a jigsaw puzzle um, in that we want to put the right thing in the right space. and We're always thinking in terms of actual physical space and safety. Unlike movers and movers are really great because we need that strength um you know the strong men that can actually move things but when they come in to pack what their focus is is just to get it in a box get it in a box that's all they're thinking about get the job done (laughs) unpacking something all they're thinking of is get it out of the box not necessarily the way that we think which is Where do we put this thing? We're going to set up the kitchen in a way that takes into consideration the height of the client, whether they can reach high or not, whether they can bend low or not. Because we're finding sometimes that that the seniors can't bend over and get things from a bottom cabinet as easily. So we're, we're very conscientious and conscious of the client and their needs and their safety as we're working with them. The so. other thing is that sometimes family will uh, do a move, and that's perfectly fine. We totally understand that. The thing that I would um, encourage caregivers and families to remember is that because a physical move is, can be and typically is a pretty emotional thing for the parent or the senior, it's really helpful to have the family able to, uh, to focus on the senior's emotional and mental well-being during that time and leaving the logistical part to a professional who can make it go as smoothly for all parties, the family as well as the senior.
0: So one of the things that I've really come to appreciate about senior move managers over the years is is something that I don't think a lot of people often think about. Um, You know, when you have a loved one who has a cognitive impairment, a dementia diagnosis of one sort or another, and you move them from one location to the next, routine Mm -hmm. is incredibly important. And so trying as much as possible to set up their new environment to be as closely aligned to how it used to be will definitely ease in the transition of that individual from one location to another.
3: Yes, that is very true. I just did a move similar to that yesterday um, where, and it happened to be an internal move where the folks were already in the community, but they needed needed a higher level of care. And so one of the things that we do as we start a move like that is that we're gonna take photos of the way, let's say that a bookcase is arranged or the items that that elder has on top of their bedside table so that we can put those things back into their new apartment, but on that same piece of furniture in the same order. The couple that I u- moved yesterday, they each tended to use little baskets. So a basket of socks, a basket of underwear, a basket of, of, of pajamas, etc. And it was important in their move that I find a place to put those baskets on the shelf so that, because they were already familiar with going to those baskets for different types of clothing. So that really does help, especially when the cognitive challenges are
2: impaired. She is Susan Stanhope. She is a senior move manager with Move Elders with Ease. Susan, is moveelderswithease.com the best place to find more information?
3: It certainly is. There's a lot of good information out there
2: excellent susan thank you so much for joining us we need to take a quick break but we will be back with more stick around you're listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care it's your life your care on fm 98 5 am 680 wptf news talk traffic
1: this is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong.
2: Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News Talk and traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And we're going to turn our focus now to senior scams. This is information that we always love sharing with the audience, because, you know, if we can save one person from uh, a scam, then we've done a a great, great job on our part to help someone. And to do that, we've brought in Ken Helmuth. He is the owner and CEO of Right at Home of the Triangle. Ken, thank you so much for joining us on the program.
4: Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being here.
0: Ken, I would be remiss if I didn't publicly thank you as well for being one of our amazing sponsors for the upcoming Caregivers Summit. We really appreciate your ongoing support of us and our work over the years. So thank you so very much for doing that. We're looking forward to it.
4: That's great. We always love sponsoring such a great event uh, that you all have put on, Nicole. So it's, it's always great to sponsor it and be a part of it.
0: And we had a shift in your title. You have some exciting news to share with us. I think so. Let's let's talk a little bit about that for a second before we jump into the scams.
4: No, thanks for mentioning that. So recently, um, you know, we we have had multiple locations of Right at Home here in the Triangle, serving the Triangle about a ten county area. And uh, in August, uh, we acquired the other two locations. So we now have three locations. Uh, that serve a 10-county area here in the Triangle. We have a location that I've had for the past six and a half years in Durham. And then we have uh, right at home of Wake County, servicing mostly Wake and Johnston County. And then uh, we have right at home of the Sandhills down in Pinehurst. So uh, all together uh, about uh, eight or nine, uh, 10 counties that we serve now under uh, one ownership. And really has been a, uh, an excellent uh, way to continue to have better continuity of care, and, and uh, it's just been really exciting. So that's uh, recent.
0: Well, congratulations. We're really excited about that, and I think that will really solidify uh, right at home in our area. So I'm, I'm so glad that you're uh, able to do that for our community. But let's switch a, switch some gears now to the um, senior scams. This has really been something, and I, and I hate to say this, um, but something that's really, really grown, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. I feel like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is, but maybe people are home and, and figuring out, well, I'm going <laughs> to you know, (laughs) replace my income now with scamming older in the most vulnerable population for the COVID-19 pandemic. Some of that makes me quite ill to think about what some folks do in our community when it relates to older adults. And I know that you have some information for us on some of the scams that we're seeing these days.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of that that goes on. Uh, In fact, it's been reported, I mean, almost $3 billion with a B uh, annually. That, that happens to some of the most vulnerable folks out there. And, you know, a lot of it, uh, especially with the COVID-19 and the pandemic and people being quarantined and, and now also just the number of people that are having difficulties, right? And so, you know, it can be somewhat easy sometimes to pull at the heartstrings of, uh, of the older adults and, you know, whether it's through a phone call or, uh, through an email or some kind of internet um, interaction, trying to get them to, um, you know, contribute to either a charity or, or, hey, you know, if you help me out with this uh, subscription, uh, you'll, ha- you'll help me take care of my family, we're struggling and that kind of thing. And, and just, you know, quite frankly, uh, criminals will try to prey on, on older adults uh, in whatever way they can. And, uh, and, and they just think, you know, that it, they're more trusting a lot of times, uh, sometimes can be a little bit more gullible or, you know, especially if there's any cognitive challenges, it can it can really be challenging for those uh, seniors that, uh, you know, many of us work with or, or take care of today.
0: And I will say, Ken, you know, we have seen a tremendous uptick at Transitions Guiding Lights of seniors themselves calling and asking specifically can they hire someone to be a friend right now because they're alone. And so that what that turns into is some companion caregiving referrals, but I feel like and it's it's just a, it's incredibly heartbreaking for somebody and they're embarrassed to say I just I, I can't get out of my house right now, I'm scared. Is there anybody that can come and just talk with me or play cards with me? And I think sometimes, you know, some of the criminals realize that because older adults are isolated, they are starving for that human interaction. So they'll befriend the yep. older adults and then create a relationship. And then and and they're willing to invest the time. They'll go weeks, sometimes months, and then finally make the big ask after they've really created an emotional bond with that older adult to help save them from a situation. And then that older adult ends up loo- losing sometimes their entire life savings or even their homes.
4: Right. Now, it can really be devastating and, you know, some of the things to, <clears throat> that we've encouraged our caregivers and really anyone is just to be on alert. Um, also, making sure that you have caller ID uh, set up for the phone so that, you know, that the uh, the folks aren't answering telephones or, they, or the, the phone calls that they don't necessarily recognize. Uh, make sure that they don't give out any uh, personal information. And one of the other ones that has really uh, become an issue <clears throat> is Medicare fraud. And so a lot of times that medical information, because every, Medicare can be so complex, and and so anybody's going to accept help anytime they can. So if somebody calls and they say, hey, I'm, I'm with Medicare and I'm a representative, I'm here to help you, can you give me your your medical information or your social security number or any other ID card or anything like that. And, and they'll target them that way. One of the other things I want to, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this is, is we've seen also an increase in finding out some information about an individual. For example, if you've lived in California for, you know, in the past and, and somebody can find that information out, they will use that and say, "Hey, I'm calling from the state of California. I know you used to live there." So they'll use information like that to get your trust, and then try to target you for whatever past taxes or other, you know, other, other, uh, other liabilities that you may or may not have had. But when you're dealing with someone that can't quite remember exactly what it was, it'll frighten them, and it really puts them in a bad situation. Um, we've seen this happen uh, with with a client of ours just over the past month.
0: Well, you know, and, and the other piece of this, and, you know, I've talked with um, the Secretary of State about this in the past and, and, and other individuals who've talked about senior scams, is that it is incredibly embarrassing when you realize you've been yep. scammed. And so then what happens is a lot of times the older adult will hide it, and and then they'll mm-hmm. get into a situation where they're almost, the person just emotionally, you um, completely emotionally abuses them and blackmails them and makes things up and just makes it so that person has to keep giving money and so um, you know definitely if there's somebody new that's appeared in your life and you're starting to get connected with them you know it's, it's not really a bad idea to allow to let an adult child know or somebody else that you know and trust um, because if somebody's really trying to get re- super close to you it's just i think important to have some at least Interpersonal vetting by somebody else you know and trust just to see if that person feels like the person that's coming around is somebody to be trusted. And, you know, I'm not saying every person that comes and knocking on your door is, is, is going to be somebody who's going to scam you, but I think definitely we all need to have our radar up and reach out to other people yeah. before you get caught up in one of these scams.
4: Yeah. And it's uh, like you said, it, it can be embarrassing, but also uh, part of that can. <clears throat> jeopardize the older adult independence and them feeling like they may end up losing uh, some of that financial uh, independence mm-hmm. and, uh, and jeopardize, you know, people thinking that they've lost maybe their capacity. And, and I think, you know, that also will a lot of times put some hesitation uh, in there for the senior to actually tell others about those kind of conversations that they may or may not think and, and, and that put them into that uh, kind of situation.
0: So one great way, you know, for individuals to really um, get some help is, is to actually con- contract with a home care agency such as Right at Home. You know, if you're, if you're finding your your loved one is really needing some assistance with some of those what we call activities of ba- daily living, the bathing, the dressing, the grooming, the transportation, the lighthouse keeping, or even some of that companionship, you know, sometimes bringing in a little help such as with a company like yours can really, um, help that person maintain independence where they call home longer.
4: Yeah, and, and, and that's a great point. I mean, you know, all those other things uh, are going to help them through their, their, you know, kind of their daily routine. The other piece of it is is that there's just an additional set of eyes and, and you know, we have really wonderful uh, oversight with our nursing staff and our and our supervisors so that kind of interaction and communication can also be triaged then to family members and and involve others and that's how we can help mitigate uh, this sort of uh, thing happening you know more often and a lot of times if they're if they're by themselves and they're isolated like that it's so much easier for these kind of scams to happen
2: Yeah, and that's something that we certainly want to prevent. If you want to find more about Right at Home, just Google Right at Home in your location, and you should be able to find one of the locations that Ken oversees. As the owner and CEO of Right at Home of the Triangle, Ken Helmuth, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time and sharing this valuable information.
4: Great. Thanks for having me, Jason and Nicole. You all have a great day. Thanks so much.
2: You as well. We have to take a quick break, but we will be right back. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News
1: Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Clegett and Jason Kong.
2: You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. You can always find more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett, and Nicole, our round robin continues, and now we're going to shift our focus on the do's and don'ts of dementia and self-care, and we're happy to welcome back LaToya Galberth. She is a occupational therapist and owner of Galberth Health. Uh, LaToya, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Thank you guys for
0: having me. So glad to have you here and so grateful for your participation in the upcoming Caregiver Summit as well. So I really appreciate the topic that you're going to be talking about today, the do's and don'ts of dementia self-care, because, you know... It's not cliche because it is said so much, but I'm going to say it anyway. Caring for a person for de- with dementia is not a 24-hour day. It's a 36-hour day, and there's a famous book called The 36-Hour Day that is often known as the caregiver's Bible for caring for someone with dementia. But, you know, this is the type of situation where that individual has a disease, and this is probably if they're going to ultimately— Um, if they have the type of dementia that's terminal, it's typically not a very short prognosis. This is something that can go on for a period of years or even decades. So as a caregiver, it is incredibly important that you build in self-care for yourself so that you can continue to have the wind in your sails as you're caring for your aging loved one. Absolutely.
5: I couldn't agree more. And as you said, it is more than a 24-hour job. And for me, just as an occupational therapist, this is certainly a topic that's just sort of near and dear to my heart, as we do spend a lot of our time implementing skilled interventions that will improve the functional performance for our loved ones, specifically those with dementia. And typically, the hot ticket item is either ADL or self-care um, and essentially these are tasks that are completed on what typically is a daily basis that involves the uh, physical care and hygiene for our bodies that includes bathing dressing grooming self-feeding etc and although it sounds simple and routine for our seniors with dementia it's simply not the same as how they performed at 10 20 30 and 40 years ago so I simply wanted to offer things to consider for caregivers who are finding themselves stuck or overwhelmed and even defeated when it comes to helping their loved ones to care for themselves. So I-, I wanted to start with a simple don't um, or things that we should avoid when engaging our loved one and the task of bathing, dressing, or feeding, and that's rushing. I know it sounds simple, but we have to understand the significant delay in processing that our loved ones may experience when they are either completing or responding to a task. And what may seem like a reasonable time frame to us simply isn't for our loved ones. And this should make it even less desirable to have us try and speed some of these tasks up. So just think of the level of anxiety that you are also causing for someone who is likely already confused by components of the task or the task itself. And how this could also be the perfect recipe for agitation, which in this case can be the trigger um, and obviously
0: avoid it. So, Latoya, if I, may, I wanna, LaToya yeah. if I may, Latoya, if I may, you know, I think one of the uh, biggest things that happens, you know, when you, Typically, when a family member takes on that caregiving role, it's usually the the loved one who tends to be that it, sort of that motherly type personality who um, has stepped up to, to do that. And, and I do know in some cases you're you're not given that option, and you know sort of this role falls upon you. But um, it's yeah. it's quite sim, it's quite easy for that caregiver to just want to do for versus do with Absolutely. because it's quicker. And so I think one of the things that we do need to remember especially when we're caring for a person with a cognitive impairment is that if we do for okay. that person, they're going to lose that ability to do it themselves much more quickly. And I think the other thing that we often run into is is really, focusing on the end product versus celebrating the process. And so when I used to work in a skilled nursing community many, many years ago, you know, sometimes family members would get upset because their loved one's shirt was buttoned askew. But what they didn't realize is that the caregiver allowed the individual with supervision and assistance to button those buttons. And and you know, the caregiver could have buttoned it and it could have been buttoned perfectly and straight, but that individual buttoned it wrong, but they still were able to button it. And if we take away that for them and then they stop doing that, then they're not going to know how to button the shirt. And it seems silly and, you know, it is a silly little example, but I think it's really, really something that happens a lot of times is we just want to complete that task and we're not really taking the time to help that person have a successful uh, period of time in that process.
5: Absolutely, Nicole. I couldn't agree more. And it is essentially about meeting them where they are. So as you said, not overdoing or doing too much for that particular individual or on the opposite end of the spectrum, forcing them to do something that their brains and their bodies simply aren't capable of handling at that point because of the, the stage of dementia that they're in. So trying to find that just right balance. And again, that's why it's so important for caregivers to reach out to some of those professionals in the community, again, just to kind of adopt a different perspective and and way of looking at things. But again, continuing to encourage and promote that functional independence as much as possible.
0: So what are some other other of the do's and don'ts?
5: Well, I wanted to um, essentially segue into the doing, uh, I'm sorry, taking the extra time um, and allotting for even more time to complete some of those self-care tasks. So if it takes mom a while to warm up to bathing, maybe starting that process well in advance. And notice I said the process and not just the act of bathing itself. And that means taking the time to create an environment that will lead to mom complying and being more comfortable, agreeable, and even aware of what is or what will take place. And that actually leads into uh, my second don't, which is to not approach these tasks as a daunting task or a task in which you've already deemed yourself as defeated. If you go into a particular task or a self-care activity thinking that it's not going to happen, guess what? It probably won't. When I would train staff at different residential communities, that was always a key point that I would make. If you walk into Mrs. Ruby's apartment with the mindset of, oh, I know she's not going to want to change her dirty clothes today, then you're probably not going to put in the time and effort to actually make that happen. And again, I know it may sound cliche, but just having a little faith or optimism, because this is what really gets your gears going, and you're actually more prone to problem-solve, and approach it with a little love and compassion, which will take you much further than, again, walking through the door with that thought and feeling of defeat and hopelessness. So sometimes we as a caregiver, we can put forth some of those stumbling blocks instead of doing a little bit more of that deductive reasoning. Indeed. Um, agreed.
0: Okay, this, agreed uh, agreed on that. At, and, and the other piece mm-hmm. I think that we, we definitely need to make sure that we touch on is that people mm-hmm. with a cognitive impairment, and frankly, all of us, we get more of our communication from nonverbal body language than we do from the spoken word. And so when you're having a person who has a cognitive impairment, they're looking at all the different types of cues that you're providing them. So if you're walking into that room uh, with a chip on your shoulder, you know, or you're just feeling defeated, they're going to see that. They're going to feed off of that. And again, you're you're not going to have a successful experience. So even if you're feeling a little Absolutely. bit down, walking in with that positive, open stance is incredibly important.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes a world of difference, um, and again, just it allows for that opportunity for you as the caregiver to be a little bit more open and flexible and creative, and just thinking about again different approaches. What incentives can we present here, Mom? Let's eat so we can visit your grandkids, or. Here, let's shower or bathe so that we can wash your feet and go out together to get our toes painted or have an impromptu spa day. And remember the creative part is that you're not even forced to leave your home, especially during this time of COVID. There are podiatrists and nail technicians that are more than happy to come into your home and provide some of these services. And guess what? Now you've also addressed nail care. Does dad need a haircut? Well, let's wash your hair first, dad. So your haircut is quicker or less expensive. And note that there may be other limitations visually or physically that may make these tasks um, a little bit more difficult. And, again, that's where you're going to seek out other health care providers, be it physicians, optometrists, or rehab therapists. They can, again, help and assist you in figuring out ways to overcome some of these barriers.
2: She is LaToya Galberth, occupational therapist and owner of Galberth Health. You can find more information about her at galberthhealth.com. That's G-A-L-B-E-R-T-H health.com. LaToya, we're out of time. We could talk to you all day because you have such great insight and unique perspective. Thank you so much for sharing sharing that with us today.
5: Thank you so much for having me.
2: A quick break and back with more you're listening to aging matters care and comfort that surrounds you a service of transitions life care it's your life your care on fm 98 5 am 680 wptf news talk traffic
1: This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF, 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Claggett and Jason Kong.
2: FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. Hey, don't forget that you can still register for the Caregiver Summit, the virtual caregiver summit by going to caregiversummit.org you can also find it uh, at wptf.com just find the aging matters page and there's a nice big link there that'll take you to the caregiver summit page jason kong here with nicole clegett and we're going to now shift our focus on adult day services and adult daycare services and to do that we've brought in michael bowles he is the director of adult day services for resources for seniors michael thank you so much for joining us today
6: well thank you Jason and Nicole. Glad to be here.
0: Yeah, and thank you again to Resources for Seniors for being the underwriting sponsor for our upcoming virtual caregiver summit. We greatly appreciate your support. We have over 1000 people registered, believe it or not. It's, it's I can't oh, even that's believe. I can't believe I said that number out loud. That's scary and exciting (laughs) at the same time
6: (laughs) it is it's wonderful it
0: is wonderful for sure so oh my gosh so adult daycare is one of my very favorite things to talk about one of uh, the senior industry's best kept secrets and i wish it wasn't a secret um i wish more and more people knew about the incredible service that adult daycare offers our community and hopefully you can shed a little light on that for us michael today
6: well i'm hoping to do that And you uh, you stole one of my lines there with the um best-kept secrets, because that's that's always been something I've heard forever, is that adult day services is one of the best-kept secrets in long-term care, and people just aren't really aware that it is an option, that it is part of the continuum that we have within the aging network, you know, because we have our senior centers and home aid, assist living nursing homes, everything is out there. And then there's this adult day services. And a lot of people don't understand that continuum can be very fluid, right? That, that somebody may be doing perfectly fine, and then all of a sudden they need a service, and then they'll recover, and then they don't need whatever that service was, and homemade or adult day services, and they go back to their senior center or, or whatever it is. But there is this definite extra place for us with adult day. Yes, Jason?
0: So talk to us a little bit about what an adult day care center is.
6: Sure. So an adult day service is a provision of care and supervision within a group format. It is in some place that is not the person's home. It has to be less than 24 hours. And it is for people who may have more cognitive or physical um, disabilities and that need some supervision and care. So here in North Carolina, the adult day services are certified by the state through the Division of Aging and Adult Services. They have to be open five days. There's a variety of different rules that have to provide different kinds of programs and nutritious meals and referral assistance and a really good, solid staffing ratio for care that's being provided. And we're able to serve a whole wide variety of people. So what kind of became started off as being supervised social outlet for adults that were semi-dependent and just a little bit of a break for caregivers now can be an alternative for long-term care. Um, and so, you know, what we have found over the years is that people who do find out about Adult Day and do take advantage of the service earlier, they can they can stay in this program for a long time.
0: And the other big piece I think that people really need to know, well, a couple of things. Um, I, I know sometimes people are very familiar with in-home care, and, and that definitely serves its purpose, and I, I do believe that that is a great service for our community. Adult daycare, though, allows that individual to have... Increased socialization. They're able to be among their peers. They're able to build friendships and bonds with people that are similar to them, number one. Number two, um, it it tends to be a lot more cost effective than paying for in-home care services. And sometimes people are doing both, right? Sometimes they have somebody there in the home to get them up and dressed, and then they'll drive that individual to the adult day service, and then that person will be there for the day. And then then that aid will pick them up and take them home and then continue to provide the care so there's a whole you know different way that we can really blend this as as you said it can also it can really replace the need for some of these long-term care placements when what a person really needs is some socialization some supervision some medication management some nutritious meals and then overall safety oversight and when you put those two things together, you know, sometimes that person is able to age in place in their home longer than if they didn't have something like adult day care services in place in the first place.
6: Exactly, and and that is a lot. That, that is definitely what I was going to be saying as well. That you know, you know, why choose an adult day service? Well, I think you hit on one of my favorite parts in what you were saying, and that is, it is a place to belong with like peers there's so many times that with with the population we most typically take care of and that th- this is an aging adult who is living with their adult child now so they they no longer have their own home they may have a place within their child adult child's home but that they don't have exactly what is theirs anymore and so the adult day service provides for them a place that they can that's theirs they belong, and they have that socialization with like peers. And since we can serve such a wide variety of people, and age groups, and different types of diagnoses at the adult day services, there is always someone that you have something in common with. Now, whether that is, you know, your your beliefs, your your culture, your um, your diagnosis, even um, you know, people who. It's always amazing to watch people who have had, say, like a stroke and how they then find a friend at the adult day service who's also had a stroke and they may have affected them in different ways, but they become partners, they become friends, they support each other in a way that you don't get if you're just sitting at home.
0: Well, and I think the other piece, too, is the incredible usefulness of caregiver respite. And I think about yeah. this, and I think about this in my own life, you know, I have, I've been a family caregiver years ago. I haven't been in that role for a bit of time now. But, you know, I still have three children at home. And I will tell you, um, you know, it, w- it would be, you know, okay, fine. I have a caregiver coming in and I can leave my home, like babysitter, right? And I can go out and have mm-hmm. dinner. Or, well, the days we could go out and have dinner. But <laughs> let's pretend it's not COVID times anymore. But there is something to be said when you can have your home to yourself, when when the, when the three kids love them dearly, but when the three kids are all Playing at friends' houses or something like that, and I have a period of a few hours where it could just be me in my house doing whatever I want and not having to care for anybody. And that is where you get wind put in your sails as a family caregiver when you can actually have your loved one go to a place that's safe that you know they're going to enjoy and that they're going to be cared for. And maybe even the healthcare professionals will notice some changes or make some suggestions about how you can make care easier for you. And then you can get that wind back in your sails. I mean, you could be sitting in your your home in your pajamas all day, and it just doesn't matter if that's what you want to do with that time. You have that time to do whatever you want, and you don't have to be out going somewhere. You can just be there at home and, and relaxing.
6: Exactly. So you know, it's different for each individual person. Um, for some of our caregivers, it's that ability to get on with their own life mm-hmm. and have that break that they need. Go but to work. The ability to con- yeah. continue to go to work. Mm-hmm. They can balance their life and responsibilities, like you were talking about with ki- children, because we do have a lot of caregivers now that are serving their older family parent, and then also their own children, and they're in the what they call a sandwich generation, where they're trying to balance their life and their responsibilities of caregiving along with work. Uh, and then it's just also those that just absolutely love caregiving, love doing it, love being with their with their person. and yet they know that, they still need that brake to recharge their batteries and they want to trust that person to somebody who is going to be looking after the individual, that is going to be able to assist them with their, their activities of daily living, that, you know, with their eating or toileting or whatever is needed, that you know, they are going to be taken care of, that they're going to be in a place where there's people who are trained and that if something does go wrong, there's people there to handle it. And that's, you know, another big advantage of the adult day services is that there is that peace of mind. There's that total break that you can have during that day. And at the same time, you know that your loved one's in a place where they're going to be with people who understand them. They're going to be with friends. They're going to be in a safe environment. They're going to have some structured activities, which is really very necessary for people who have some cognitive impairment, maybe from memory loss, or have had gone through lots of different transitions. And this gives them a sense of security and base where they have this place to go and these and specific activities that are designed to try to help maintain some of those physical, cognitive, and, and social skills that we may start losing over time.
2: It's a a level of comfort and a wonderful resource for anyone who may be a caregiver. He is Michael Bowles, the Director of Adult Day Services at Resources for Seniors. Michael, is ResourcesForSeniors.com the best place for folks to go to find out more information?
6: Yes, most definitely, because we have information for a wide variety of different services at resourcesforseniors.com because it is the Council on Aging and it is one of the main referral sources for Wake County and definitely a place to go and get information.
2: Excellent. Again, resourcesforseniors.com. Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the program. We are out of time for today. Before we head out, I want to remind you there's still plenty of time to sign up for the Virtual Caregiver Summit happening on October the 22nd. Be sure to go to caregiversummit.com. Org to register for free this year for the Virtual Caregiver Summit, caregiversummit.org. On behalf of Nicole Cleggett, I'm Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680 WPTF, news, talk, traffic. Have a wonderful day.
1: You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5, AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.